to another episode of Business and Bubble Tea. Here on the podcast today, we have with us Dr. Joellen Lim, the group, the founder and group CEO of Agape Life. Uh, Joellen, it's fantastic to have you with us today. Oh, likewise. Thank you, William, for the introduction. Welcome, Joellen. And let's start with the name of the company. Um, what's behind the choice of Agape Life as, as the name? It sounds Greek. Um, What's the reason behind this? Yes, I started this company six years, uh, seven years ago, to be exact, in uh, 2016. Agape life, agape is a Greek word. It means God's love. So God's love life, human life. And we exist to be able to help the patient by bringing the effective medical solutions for all the healthcare practitioners to be able to treat their patient effectively. And going back to the beginning of Agape Life, how did it start? So you're the founder. What what got the idea going? What was the problem you identified? And how did it how did this big journey begin? Yes. I was trained and educated in the United States of America, though I am born in Singapore. And before I came back to Singapore, I was always working for a multinational company, has been in the med tech industry for more than 25 years. And in the last few years, I returned back to Singapore. I started the company in order to serve all the medical technology and healthcare company of United States, Europe regions, as well as Middle East regions, who are the SME or MMC manufacturers would like to launch their medical and healthcare product into the Asia market and to reaching out to the 18 countries in the Asia and its patient population. So I started it because of the accumulated experiences and knowledge from United States and well-trained, understanding all the regulation, all the R&D process, all the clinical studies experiences. So I brought back all the accumulated experiences and knowledge to contribute to the Asia-Pacific healthcare arena. And um, the the slogan is uh, the right place, the, the right people and the right time. Can you tell us more about it? Yes. Yes, as you know, in Asia Pacific, there are many, many countries. Example, the top 18 countries that we are dealing with are heavily trading in medical technology and healthcare products. And with this, this 18 countries, there's no harmonization of regulatory compliance regulation. Everybody is individual and it becomes very convoluted. Mm. It's uh, individual countries with its own business uh, etiquettes, with its own business languages and the regulatory environment. It becomes very confusing. So for us, that we are able to put together a team of people to reach out to the 18 countries of understanding each local compliance, regulatory compliance, and understand how to market access into that particular country is a great gain to our uh, customers because they all they have to do is the one-stop shop in Singapore and we are able to link them all up to working with the right with Amazing. the right plan in mind and putting together the right group of people and yet be able to reach out to 18 countries of market access and distributorship or even customer directly. So to them, it saves a lot of time to go to every country looking for a consulting company to help them and to save a lot of costs because we are not uh, so much higher than what they will be able to find in the market. Uh, we, in fact, is uh, our cost is about 
20%, at least 20% lower than all the international uh, CRO or consulting company. And what are the key challenges and that the, these these companies uh, face coming from the US, let's say, to Singapore wanting to serve uh, markets in Asia? And what are the risks they come to you with that they're concerned with? Oh, yes. A lot of time they are very concerned about the timing because if they are a very one-of-a-kind, unique uh, brand in the United States and they want to bring their product into the Asia so many countries, so many languages, and so many regulatory environments, which country should you go first? So for us, we are able to provide a very solid market access research data or project for them so that they have the key market intelligence information to make the wise decisions of all the country that they select on. A lot of time is very much tying into their marketing initiative and their business goals, how they're going to bring the product into it. But timing itself, time versus uh, compliance, is really very key because every country has its own regulatory pathway that you have to overcome and it requires certain time. So not everyone are going to do the regulatory uh, submission all at once. They're going to be sequentially one after the other. Or if you're lucky, you want to park yourself into ASEAN. So ASEAN have some call, uh, so-called the harmonization regulation. However, it's still very much sequential. So there's timing that is going to involve that they have to be very much concerned. Uh, the other thing that they should be concerned with is the epidemiology data. Say your product, is there a demand in the particular country that it already based on how much patience is within your treatment uh, labeling uh, target audience? So if they are not there for you, so you're bringing a product without a lot of uh, customers in that country, then you might slow down your own um, business initiative. So time in regulation submission, uh, regulatory environment, versus the patient population, which is your target audience or your so-called your buyer. There is no demand. There's no need to have a supply. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, just, I'm just wondering because I guess typically from, from uh, I guess, conventionally, I guess, um, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm from the UK, right? So a lot of uh, medical technology or, or sort of early stage pharma will look towards the, the US as the next, the next phase of growth and opportunity. Um, so I was wondering, what is the, what is the key opportunity that um, Access via Singapore um, brings to these, to these companies? Yeah, so uh, in Singapore, we do have very good uh, regulatory authority. Uh, it's called Healthcare Health Science Authority, equivalent to the USFDA. So for UK company, if it is in biopharma, um, yes, I do not doubt your uh, your introducing of United States is one of the biggest. Uh, so-called market in the world, and U.S. will still remain the market, the number one market. But you do not want to deny the ASEAN Asia Pac, uh, Asia Pacific, eighteen countries, a lot of growing developing country, and in fact, in the world, sixty percent, at least sixty percent of the world population of about eight billion people, according to the World Worldometer of COVID, uh, residing in Asia resides, physically resides in Asia-Pacific. And within ASEAN itself, the 10 countries, 
we have a lot of growing, developing countries that are willing to spend and they make up of very young people within the age of uh, 30 to 45 years old. They are very high in give, uh, willing to spend in terms of healthcare, taking care of themselves or taking care of their family. So it make up that uh, for a UK or US biopharma company, maybe uh, Asia might be a good stand for them to come first. And Singapore Healthcare Authority have have a lot of regulation that is advancing themselves to be able to regulate and monitor properly so they can sustain their high standards as in USFDA. So there are some advantages. Again, this is a very general feedbacks because it's going to depend highly depend on what type of uh, product your manufacturer has. And within that product, is there a, a big epidemiology patient's needs in Asia Pacific? Yeah. And looking at the future, which, uh, which trends do you see in the Asian market? Maybe if you see also difference, uh, differences in, in future trends here compared to, to maybe Europe or, or the US. Oh, for Asia, uh, I would say that a lot of people are going to shift from used to be very much dominated by the healthcare practitioner, medical doctors is equivalent to so-called God. They make all the final decisions or uh, suggestions for the patients. But now we are very much shifting from the doctor's opinion to the patient itself. So patient is going to be very much patient-centric how you, at the end is very much like patients going to take full care and responsibility of its own health. So very mm. much in the trend in Asia Pacific right now, uh, a lot of uh, aging populations is happening. So a lot of people yep. are focusing on elderly cares and also patient-centric cares. Say, how are you going to have preventive medicine? So I will very much uh, say that the trend right now is very much elderly care and preventive medicine. If you could help to make the population healthier by increasing quality of life, that would be the best product you can bring into Asia. Would, would you say those trends are, I, I guess, mainly found within the, the, the customers that you're seeing approaching you saying, we want access to this amazing market in Asia. We, we definitely think we can cater to this audience. And I guess what specifically is it patient monitoring solutions? Is it a kind of um, hybrid form of healthcare that's being pr provisioned? What's the, what, what are you seeing from the from your side? Um, yes, I think everybody's talking about chat GPT 4.0. Everybody like to be in the space of artificial <laughs> intelligence. And uh, I keep seeing a lot of artificial intelligence related, some kind of wearable products or any monitoring products mm. and uh, go through your mobile yep. phone. Something like that, um, and also artificial intelligence with big data into the healthcare system. So COVID have accelerated a lot of this uh, type of moving from paper into fully in the cloud space, digital space, um, what, whether it's diagnosis, whether it's uh, uh, preventive, whether it's um, monitoring, except treatment, even some treatment are trying to use the digital space to uh, provide a solution. So I think everybody is very much into the, the space of digitization. Yeah. And considering this aspect, um, um, what about the like cyber security and data protection uh, in Asia? How is the, the regulation? Yes. What do you see in this? <laughs> um, a lot of people, yeah, 
I know I keep seeing the trend of big technology um, company is very much, uh, they are venturing into healthcare, um, as such as I think everybody know, Amazon. We see a lot yeah. of Amazon entering yeah. to healthcare. We even see Microsoft entering healthcare. We, uh, a lot of big oh, company Apple, uh, technology. Yeah. yeah, Apple have been in, yeah. in healthcare for a while, but uh, they don't seem to be able to find their space very well. So now, uh, after COVID, I think it will give them a great opportunity to position themselves well in terms of helping the healthcare uh, industry. Although healthcare industry people are also quite um, concerned about cybersecurity. So cybersecurity is a big topic right now in Asia Pacific because we can do a lot of things over the cloud until we someone figuring out how, how to make our patient data secure. And cybersecurity is a very key thing that not even healthcare company, but even non-healthcare company have to be very concerned about uh, because that is one of the key uh, attributes that everybody would like to figure out the right solution for its company. Yeah, cybersecurity in healthcare is a, a big topic of discussion and our company is going to uh, very much introduce a very good conference coming up in uh, in the uh, fourth quarter of this uh, this year on cybersecurity in healthcare. Amazing. Looking for very much looking forward <laughs> oh, yes, to it. Oh, yes, we will definitely and invite I, I have, you I have to another be question. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> very keen. Um, and I, and I, and I, have, <laughs> I, have, I have another question that relates, I guess, more to the to the attributes that make for, um, so you touched on a really interesting point there, that's the bigger players are still trying to find their footing in, in the kind of med tech space yeah. in a way. And I'm wondering from, from your perspective, what are the key attributes to success with medical technology in Asia? Is it really founder dependent? What's, is it the technology that's dependent? Is it the regulatory approval? I know you all need bits of both, but what do you see as the kind of, key uh, markers for a successful business in, in Asia? Asia? Well, of course, when you are talking about healthcare, yep. you have to be a solution to meet a need. And the needs have to come from mm. the patients who are using it. So you have to have a very good founder and CEO with visionary to know how to come up with a solution to meet the needs of their patients of a particular group of what they are trying to solve. And yet this technology is going to be a big thing 10 years down the road. Amazing. What do you think yeah. is the... that is that is the challenging is what people is trying to crank up uh, because as the uh, because uh, venture capital and all those uh, investment uh, is very hot topic in the whole Asia as well and they're investing a lot of companies uh, to tell you the truth you know a lot of time mm. when you invest in something you invest for a vision right and so now might not make a lot of yeah. sense to you but. 10 years down the road, you have to be the one of the biggest company. And that's become a challenge for the investor to pick the mm. right company to put their money. Yeah. Sure. Very much so. I mean, I mean, we've, we've um, seen, I guess, a, a range of different business sort of propositions in the med tech space that relate to things like patient monitoring solutions. And the, you mentioned the wearable devices, uh, things like sleep apnea, and sort of trying to pick up on you know these things that have comorbidities with like cardiovascular problems which are in, you know in, in a sense another patient remote monitoring um co component right yes um so it's, it's a super it's super interesting how it's developing and then i guess 
you know how it's complicated dealing with the Asian market as you as, as you mentioned yeah. what do you think makes it so such a challenge is it the is it how it's the regulatory uh, kind of process is so is fractured yes. or uh, I think there are a couple of components yeah. <laughs> when it comes to Asia you have to concern the regulation uh, regulatory part pathway um, because as I said the top mm. so Asia Asia Pacific are make up with more than 20 countries but we are only focusing on the top 18 who are actively in trading in uh, healthcare products so uh, one of the key attributes that you have to figure out really is the regulatory pathway besides you also need to figure out whether there's a demand for your type of products of course these two things have to be uh, side by side and then the third component less important is the reimbursement part there are some country has uh, social reimbursement and some don't you need to figure out of that and the fourth point really is your product is going to carry your brand and when it comes to branding part are you willing to take a risk because certain country in asia you need to have your big uh, ip production very well set up so that uh, there aren't many of copy and paste <laughs> businesses going around your back so these are the yep. things you really need to uh, really be be concerned or maybe plan ahead and um, uh, do a research. Yeah, so we are able to help you to do that.